Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations with the intention of demystifying, destigmatizing, and desensitizing what really gets talked about behind the closed doors of the therapy room. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Selkin. And we're seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. So join us as we dive into the ways that therapy can be connecting not only to yourself, but also to those around you. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Danae and I are super excited to talk about the fact that we have our first in-person retreat coming up this January, uh, the first week actually, January 2nd through 7th in Carefree, Arizona. It's going to be a stunner. So this retreat is happening at Sivana Retreat, which is like, I could not be more excited for this. I know. It's so beautiful, so luxurious, and you know, I feel like we have been so hungry to come together in community for certainly over a year now. And, you know, we were really committed to like, we want to do this in a way that feels safe for everyone and in a way that we can really hold some therapeutic containing work, um, but also really create community in a way that all of us have been so hungry to feel it for so long now. Yeah. And if you guys are listening to the podcast and you know what Danae and I are about, right? You know that we are all about getting in there, deep diving, getting beneath the surface. And so we're going to bring together, it's basically going to be a week of us bringing together all of the deepest, most integrative work that her and I do on a day-to-day basis, right? Mm. So we're going to be doing shadow work. We're going to be doing inner child work. We're going to be talking about the mother wound. We're going to be, you know, getting in and digging out old codependent relationship behaviors and patterns. I mean, there is so much that we are packing into this week. Oh Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that just, healing work ooh. and, you know, we're going to dive into masculine and feminine dynamics, which we're obsessed with. But, you know, to me, this is really going to be like us supporting you in leveling up, you know, not only your spiritual tools and your toolkit in general, but, you know, how you want to enter 2022, right? Yeah. How can you learn to live from the most authentic place or the mm-hmm. most authentic space that you possibly can? That is really our hope to be able to give you the tools to do that in the best way that you can. Love it. This is from self-abandonment to inner belonging, the intensive, like you said, V, January 2nd through 7th in Carefree, Arizona. Join us. Yeah. It's on uh, my website, vanessabennett.com backslash retreats. We are basically beaming and kind of like buzzing right now and feel as though we just left church. So I'm hoping that that is how you all feel after hearing this conversation that you're about to hear. Yeah. It's like we're floating on love right now after this conversation, like hope and inspiration and um, where this world is headed. Like this guest is just all of that. He embodies that in such a beautiful, moving way. I just, I'm obsessed. You know, every once in a while, I think it's really important to, okay, I'm going to speak for myself here. I Mm. tend to be a very, um, I don't even know how to describe this. Like, I guess I just tend to be very like factual left brain, right? Like linear. It's just like the way that I am. It's also part of my defense structure. I get it, but it's really important. I think for my soul sometimes Mm. to, to touch base with people who have an innate sense of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Um, this guest is incredibly educated, right. And, and I'm not in any way taking that away from him, but what he speaks to, it comes from such a deep, like profound knowing that I think for me, it's important to like remind myself that those people are out there, you know, that it doesn't have to always be something that's backed up by book. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I feel like he is such a beautiful example of, you know, what feels like a channel to me is the only way that I can describe him. You want, like, I think both of us were watching him at certain points while he was speaking and he is such in like deep flow space as he's talking about the world. And it feels like you are listening to like, like a prophet or someone who's Mm -hmm, like speaking mm -hmm. to things in a way of like, this is what we need to understand. And it's so moving and every part of your soul is just like, yes. Um, And you're right. Like that is not something that that can be taught. That is not something that can be taken from a book. Mm-hmm. It is just um, something that he is channeling from source, something that comes from something bigger, I believe. 
Well, and I think how you know that it's something profound is the feeling that it stirs up in you, right? Because I think there are plenty of people out there that can just go on and on and speak from somewhere internal. And I think if you pay attention to the feeling that's coming up from within you as mm-hmm. you're connecting to what it is that they're giving you, I think that's when you know whether or not it's it's coming, it's a channel, whether or not it's coming through something like source or whatever word you want to use, right? When the feeling that you have and and I don't know, guys, might be biased, might be giving a little bit away here, but like this feeling of just like love and radiation that comes when you're sitting with somebody mm. like this, that to me is when you know that it's just something bigger than them as a human, you know? Yes. Buckle okay. up, guys. You're we talked about it. it a lot. We, we, I mean, we talked it up a lot. I hope it's as good as we think it was. <laughs> I mean, it is. I, it is. I have no it doubt. Is. <laughs> it is. Enjoy. So today we are super excited to have Xavier Dagba. He's a trauma-informed transformational life coach. He's a shadow work facilitator, an intuitive healer, and an emotional alchemist. He firmly believes that personal freedom can only be achieved when we allow ourselves to welcome the wisdom hidden within every emotional state, whether good or bad. Thank you so much for being here, Xavier. My pleasure, Vanessa. Um, You know, it really feels good to be here. It really feels good to just like witness you both witnessing me um, as we are getting ready for this conversation. Um, And this may sound weird, but I'm just going to go with it. Um, The potential for the conversation feels really beautiful and I'm just willing to let it flow. It needs to flow. So I'm grateful to be here. I love it. I'm so excited already. And Xavier, I have to tell you, um, you've become like my favorite social media account. Every single, oh my gosh, every single thing that you post, I just feel like you are just such a beautiful channel from source. And it feels like you are speaking to my soul through your writing and every day, whatever you're putting out, I'm just, I'm so moved by. Um, I would really love to know how you came to be this person and, you know, doing the work that you're doing in the world. So if you wouldn't mind giving us just a little bit of your background and your story. Background, where do I start? Um, (laughs) I was born and raised in Cameroon, Central Africa. My parents are, my dad is from West Africa and he met my mom in Cameroon, decided to stay there. So I was born and raised there until I was 24. Um, Graduated from my master's in statistics and economics and got a scholarship to go to Canada and have a, you know, pursue a PhD in economics, in, in economics, um, really trying to. As we say it, <laughs> it's like aluminum, <laughs> aluminum, right? Versus aluminum. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So I came, I, I went to Canada. I came to Canada in 2013 and, you know, I got this scholarship. I was studying economics and at some point during that first year just fell out of love with it and Mm. um you know the more you learn about systems the more you also learn how they might be a disservice Mm. and then the more you need to make this critical question to to answer this critical question do I want to be part of just like you know teaching this because this is where I was going you know when you're a PhD you also teach and there was a really just huge wake up call in that time and I already knew I already felt it way before but I was just ignoring it but the wake up call was like how do you choose to be of service is it true this or is there more and the obvious answer was there is more and now you have no excuse Mm -hmm. you have no excuse to keep doing what you've been doing so Mm -hmm. very often people call it the dark night of the soul this is what happened there. I love to call it dark night of the ego because mm. I don't know if the soul has a dark night. Mm. Um, and in my opinion, we also we we get to places where the conditioning that we've been operating from stops serving us, and it starts crumbling. So, in my opinion, it's really a dark night to the conditioning, a dark night to the ego, and that's what I went through. But I had no concept about a lot of things. I was already spiritually inclined, so I was reading books from these you know spiritual teachers um the Wayne Dyers the Louise Hayes you know um all these Buddhist teachers and Zen masters as well but when there is emotional turmoil it's like these spiritual principles very often what they helped me do at that time was just to fly above the pain mm-hmm. and this is how I coped for a long time so I just stayed there and all the 
the emotional awareness and all this work I really had no concept of and mm. it came to a point where I just couldn't fly above it anymore mm. you know when you decide to for someone like me that came from Africa you decide to drop all of this your family invested to get you across the ocean for a PhD and you decide to drop it you break some hearts and this mm. is what I did so there was abandonment there was betrayal they felt betrayed um they felt hurt I felt hurt by myself I felt stupid um lost a lot of friends felt isolated and at the same time I had the option to be like okay do I want to go back home and I wasn't welcomed home mm -hmm. so there was that moment of like feeling disowned literally um you know being told um figure your shit out you know so it just brought me into that space of like okay I'm, I, I, I need to learn how to swim here mm -hmm. or I'm gonna drown um so that's the background that's what led me that's what really propelled me onto this path and I love that you speak to you know that there are these spiritual principles that we can have an awareness of and we can sort of logically wrap our head around and then when we get in these moments of the muck and the inevitable um I love that you call it the dark night of the ego I've never heard anyone speak to it in that way before but I think that's so true um that we need to do a little bit of deeper work something different um Vanessa and I come from a background in depth psychology so shadow work is a lot of the work that you know we sort of like flag the fly flag the flag yeah. around um can you talk to us about your introduction to shadow work my introduction to shadow work was actually I didn't know what I was doing hmm. like I really had no concept hmm. I didn't know what I was doing I had these moments of just like uh, because there were a lot of things that happened all at once uh breaking up from a five-year relationship breaking up with parents breaking up with brothers that were like you go you're going crazy you're nuts hmm feeling totally abandoned and all of this bringing up things that you didn't even, I didn't even know when there. Like deep shame, deep sadness. I didn't know how to be with sadness. Mm -hmm. Like I used to convert it into anger right away. Like who the hell do they think they are to, you know, just treat me that way. And, you know, they, they're saying they are Christians, they are full of shit and blah, blah, blah. You know, and the, the very mistake you make or the very decision, the very first decision you make that they don't agree with and boom, you out the window, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so I used to turn it into a lot of anger and then I would have these moments of just like heart swelling and for some reason I would just surrender I would surrender to the feeling and be like what is gonna happen if I do lean in if I lean in there it wasn't conscious at first and what I would notice were these moments of just like at some point I feel like the feeling is just gonna crush me and then the next minute I can breathe more deeply mm. I didn't know what was happening and I was just allowing myself to go in there, to go in there, to cry and scream for like a minute and a half, usually outside of my apartment because I don't want my neighbors to, to start <laughs> asking themselves what's going on with me. You know, I was in a one bedroom apartment with one bathroom. So, you know, people can hear what is going on in your place. So I would do that outside and just lay there on the floor and then boom, you feel better. And I decided to begin to learn about, you know, I came across modalities, EFT, and trying to understand conceptually, working with emotions and also working with your body a little bit more somatically. Um, and I came across teachers, they were just like, so how have you been working through this? You've been working through this alone? I would say, yes, I've been working through this alone. And they would ask me what I was doing when all this abandonment and everything came forth. I'll just be like, what I found out, if I just allow myself to be in it, I do nothing. I just be in it. At some point, just like magic, it lifts a little bit and I can breathe. Yes. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, you're actually practicing being with your pain and being with your shadows and not pushing away. Mm -hmm. And this is when I started opening more books, you know, mm -hmm. um, and learning more about shadow work and really understanding, okay, what is the concept here? Mm -hmm. So that was the initiation, just me not finding, and I, I didn't have another escape at that point. And I was so broke. I was here on scholarship first. And 
the first job that I got because I needed to pay my bills, it was a dishwashing job. So I was so broke, I couldn't afford like any professional support. So I was just like reading, getting on the internet and seeing what I can do. Um, for the first time when I was able to just like have someone be being a soundboard and just like listening, this is when they were like, okay, it seems like you're practicing actually being. Mm -hmm. with your shadow being with your pain and this opened a new door to just like exploring what was there so that was the initiation that was the beginning stages of me beginning to put concepts behind what I was doing yeah Mm -hmm. I mean I just it's so powerful to me that I feel like so often when I'm sitting with clients I describe staying with the discomfort of you know I think so often the fear of the suffering is so much bigger than the actual suffering. And so we resist so hard, like going into the pain, the experience. And I love the way that you just sort of viscerally explain what it feels like to be in it, that it is Mm -hmm. this experience of like being in a wave and like noticing that, like, if I just stay with the sensation, the wave passes, right. And it's like ripples and then it goes back down again. And what I think is so powerful about what you said, and I have experienced to be true as well, is that what staying with the wave teaches us is that it, it eventually subsides and I'm still right. here. And which I'm I think okay. is also the fear, right? That I hear so often from clients, which is if I let myself go there, I'm never coming back, mm-hmm. right? If I let myself start crying, I'm never going to stop crying. Like there's this fear that if I allow myself to touch it at all, I'm never getting out mm-hmm. of it alive. Yes. And, you know, that was, I'm, I a little bit fast forwarded here because, you know, all of this happened in 2014, you know, 20, 2015, I'm still in deep resistance. Mm. you know I'm like 2014 2015 I'm still in deep resistance Mm. towards the end of 2015 it's actually where it starts to hit it to hit Mm. me um that I just cannot escape this anymore it's like I've I was a good runner like a really really good runner um but the thought of disconnecting from it because you come to that point where you know it feels like you are given a choice between dissociating Mm -hmm. and diving in there Mm -hmm. that's what it felt like to me it's like I either I I had two choices I would either dissociate and just like tap out or just be with it dissociating trying out that numbness living in that numbness I experienced it for a little while that's not a life that I wanted to live Mm. you know being in that place of numbness being in and I'm so glad that I was so I was such in a space where I wasn't introduced to any sort of like numbing medication to anything like that. So I am always so grateful for it Mm. that I was just like, and I didn't know it, but I just didn't know about it, you know? (laughs) So I'm grateful for it that I was just like kind of forced to be with it. I have to ask what, like on the other side of this now, what is your, and I don't know if this is maybe too personal. I hope not. What's your relationship with your family like now? I mean, have you any like reconciled at all? Because, you know, one of my curiosities, especially not being from the, whether it's America or Canada, you know, being from Africa, like I'm always curious as a person of color being in this quote unquote wellness world, right. Which I think for the most part has become pretty whitewashed, at least in social media, what that's like for you, you know, what your experience has been. And especially in family. And I now I know yeah. what that was like in the beginning, but I'm curious kind of what it's like, like now. Right now, it has shifted tremendously. Um, the, the, the real confession is they don't understand the work that I do. Mm-hmm. They, and I don't think they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, no one ever fully asks. I can't blame them fully because I need to take responsibility for a few things here. <laughs> I have tried so many things in between (laughs) i have tried so many endeavors i have started businesses and closed them a gym and (laughs) close it um network marketing and dropped it um so many things so at some point i understand it was hard to keep up with everything that i was doing the relationship itself um felt more open we went through at least two years of not just talking, never having like conversations, not calling on birthdays, um, you know, not me, not attending weddings. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
So this is what it came down to. Um, 2018 was the big reconciliation, I mm -hmm. have to say. Um, and uh, one of the messages that was still to this day will still stay with me. And I took screenshots, I printed it. My dad sending me a message. He was like, you know, I never truly understood how to work with the sensitivities and the specific needs of six children. So if I hurt you in any way, I'm sorry. And he sent me that message. My heart could hardly take it in. Yeah. Oh. Um, so that was, that was just like a beautiful closure that I didn't expect. Like yeah. I didn't see that coming. And um, so that's the first thing that happened. That was the, the biggest, the biggest kind of like healing point for me um, on top of everything that I was already doing. And also my mother being, and it's, they, I know they talk a lot. They, they've been through a lot of shit together and they are still together. And um, the next day she sent me a message. She like, you know, I understand that you don't belong to us, that we just, you know, something along the lines of like, I was chosen to bring you here and that's it. I These kind parents. of admire I know, Maya oh my God. Angelou thing. She was like, <laughs> I liberate you. Mm. Oh. She was like, I liberate you and I'm here for you. Some something like this. And this week was just like a cloud, some something, some clouds lifted. They still don't get fully, and they are afraid of all these spiritual things that I'm into because they are deeply Christians mm. and I respect it. Um, and I understand it. They're afraid when you talk about meditation, they, be, they, they will be like, okay, you know what? I love Jesus and blah, blah, blah. This is my concept. I'll, I like being here. Mm -hmm. I love you too. We can mm -hmm. have a relationship in this space and mm -hmm. that's okay for us. Mm -hmm. And I understood that. So this is what it turned into. My brothers and I, we have a more open communication kind of like relationship if they want to know what I'm doing I'll tell them they see me online and stuff but my parents they're a bit like hey um, we still love you but this belief that you're into they scare us so as mm. long as you are okay your family is okay we kind of have some degree of access we can see your grandchildren that's okay for us so this is the, the status quo of the relationship at the moment that's amazing though. I mean, I, I will say even having the point where somebody can actually say to you, I don't understand it. It scares me. This is where I stand. I still love you. Let's leave it there. Like even getting to that conversation feels kind of immense to me. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I've ever that had that kind of conversation me. with my, like my mother, you know, I, yeah. I think it's an unspoken, but sometimes that unspoken it's not an understanding. It's, it's more of just like a, we just don't talk, right? Yeah. Like just, <laughs> just don't talk yes. about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, that's where, that's where the relationship is. And I'm totally honest. It's like, it stayed in that space of like not addressing things, but um, fortunately enough, I come from a family where they are not afraid of speaking how they feel. And this mm. is also a reason why the pain was so deep because they were just like hurt and they voiced being hurt mm. at the beginning. And um, I was also at that space where I was like, okay, fuck you. Um, you know, so it was a real nasty kind of fight. Mm. Um, but also once every, everyone took some time to work through, and I also understand that I was holding on to a lot of the rage in the constellation of the family, as I allowed myself to go there to really feel through them. It's weird. Just a few weeks after I received these messages, you know, I received these messages mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, that's... Can, can you speak more to that, Xavier? Because I want people to, to hear your, I, I love what you just said about when I realized that I was holding on to so much of the rage in the family constellation. Because I know Danae and yeah. I probably have an idea of what you're referring to, but I want, I would love for you to speak more to that yeah. concept. Well, what I realized is, you know, I, I, I was already aware of some dynamics um, in the family. It, 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 and I, and I didn't have, again, concepts and even words to describe what was 
was going on. It's mm-hmm. like when I what when I had moments of like deep sadness, and I'm here across the ocean, like we're not together. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's going on in, in my life. Well, I would have moments of deep sadness. Some some weirdly enough, that day or the day after, I would receive a moment, a message from a brother, a message from my mom, a message from my dad, mm-hmm. like, hey, I was just thinking about you. Um, you know. Even though the the the, the relationship wasn't yet uh, on good terms, mm-hmm. and when I would have these moments of like joy and happiness and all of this, I would still receive some sort of hint from them, a message from them. Um, we were still on not good terms at all. A message of just like you know, I was just thinking about you. Um, I know we're not good, but I was just I felt like sending a prayer for you, mm-hmm. whatever, from my mother, for example. And what I realized, um, I, I don't have the, 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 the book in my head, it was just in a family constellation, meaning, you know, we are, repre- there is like, and there are energetic links that are holding us kind of together, mm-hmm. you know, um, kind of cycles that are alive within the, the whole family. Yes. And what I realized, I was the anchor in the family of like deep anger and rage. Mm-hmm. I was angry about a lot of things. I was angry about the fact that my mom was the, the most removed of our parents. You know, she was like, she had a hard time doing the nurturing really hard. And that's also because of trauma that she went through, but she, she couldn't nurture. Um, she would love you and you would know that this woman loves me, but the comforting, she couldn't give it to you. And I was really deeply angry about it. My dad, for some reason, he showed up as that kind of, not only protector, but also he was he would want to protect you so much that he would kind of squish you. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things that I didn't learn. Mm-hmm. Um, I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't know how to ride a bike until I was 25. So this is me in Canada, a grown-up man, buying my first bicycle, <laughs> going on the going to the park and like falling, and you know, kids making fun of me, and they us learning together, swimming, things like that. So he was that kind of like dragon protector. Yeah. Like I don't want these kids to get hurt. So I was also holding on to a lot of anger and rage because he wouldn't let us experience life. Mm. He wanted to shelter us from every single thing. And when I decided to let go of the PhD, because it's something that I decided to do, not really for myself, but because of him as well. When I decided to do one thing for myself for the first time ever, I received again all of this. So I was really angry, allowing myself to learn how to hold that anger and to purge all the anger that was just like in my system from all these years. It is weird as I say this, but it feels like it liberated them. It yes. feels like it created the openness for them to be able to see me and to be like, hey, I never truly understood how to like raise a sensitive boy. I'm sorry. And my mom mm-hmm. saying like, I understand you don't belong to me. And we've been putting all these massive expectations on you. I just hope you, you know, you consider it's really important to take care of yourself and blah, blah, blah. So this happened right after. So what I noticed, me being able to hold not only space for the anger and to allow all of this to move through and the rage, it created more intimacy to some degree between between us. So that's, I don't know if this is a better way of explaining it, but this is what I have at home. Yeah, I think that's so beautiful. And Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, there's so much about your, (laughs) I feel like such a kindred spirit as I listen to you as the, the black sheep that sort of like wandered from like job to job and thing to thing in my family where everyone was like, oh, whatever Danae is doing. But, um, you know, I always think it's so interesting to hold through sort of the psychology and clinical lens, which Vanessa and I would speak to that in terms of family systems. And we often talk about how like the black sheep in the family is the person that is sort of attempting to get the family to look at the maladaptive behaviors that nobody's talking about, right? And, you know, from a spiritual perspective, as I feel like you're speaking to it, that becomes like this constellation was actually perfect because there's generational ways of being that we are called to heal. And 
Xavier sort of like shows up and becomes the catalyst for us to go inward because the pain of not being able to access our child and understand him and know that we are causing him pain in, you know, yeah. the mm. distance and the disconnect makes, you know, I, I like can feel each of your parents and I'm so moved by what they said to you. I, I'm just like, yeah. it's making me cry because to say, I didn't know um, how to be sensitive to as many children as I had and how to be present with them. That speaks yeah. to how much your dad had to go inward to like, to look at that, yeah. you know, and your realization. mom. Oh my gosh. And, and just your mom saying, you know, you're not mine that you came through me, but you don't belong to me. I feel like what we all long for from our families is just to feel seen, you know, in Mm. our essence and beyond that, all of the other stuff, all of the other conversations to me sort of become like, not that relevant, you know, um, there's just such an understanding of like, they really went inside to try to understand, you know? Yes. And, um, they almost had to, and it, it was really beautiful. Um, mm. it, I have to say that moment was, I'm sorry, that moment was equally traumatic for, not only for me, but also for them. Yes. Um, because we were really a cocoon as a family, you know, family where um, they did the best they could. We grew up in a place that wasn't that safe, you know, we grew up in that environment and they did the best they could to okay send you to school and do you know really bring us to that space where we could excel and really meet opportunities they really did well in that way mm-hmm. and uh, um so it felt like a hard breakup and at the same time i was that i was a poker kind of like hey you're <laughs> teaching me all these spiritual <laughs> principles mm-hmm. you know how does that work here yeah. How does that work here? I'm sorry, I like disappointed you, but how does that work here? And that suddenly I'm disowned from the family. Mm. It is not coherent. So I would call out all these things. And from anger, I was angry. Yeah. And I was like, this is bullshit. You full of shit with what you've been teaching me. If you're going to show up this way, then it makes sense that we just part ways. You know? But isn't it so um, interesting? I mean, what you said in the beginning about economics, right? About this idea that the more that you learn about systems, I actually wrote this down, the more you realize where they don't work. Yes. And it's like, you were actually like, yes, you ended up on the spiritual path, but this is kind of like me having a 10 year career in like marketing and advertising. I don't look at it as time wasted. Like there's so much about that experience that has perfectly unfolded and woven into who I am and what I do now. Right. And when you said that, when you were talking about economics, like that feels like exactly what was happening in those moments where you're poking at your parents' systems being like, but wait a second, (laughs) but wait a second. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, one thing that was really hard is I was actually learning the verbiage. I was learning about all of these things and I was just like, yeah, incoherent, incoherent, incoherent. (laughs) Like, um, I, here I get you love me but at the same time you're acting in a way um, mm. that is truly not coherent with what you thought me the mm. kind of Christianity that you transmitted to me or the, mm. the, the spiritual values that you gave to me so it was really a solo journey for a long time mm. and I'm um, just learning how to how to hold myself mm-hmm. you know until I was actually able to be held by others when it's therapy whether it's like um a spiritual teachers or guides later this only came for me later uh, as I was able to literally just afford it because I was in a yeah. space where it wasn't a possibility mm-hmm. um so yes this was a very intense part of the journey mm-hmm. you know so we're talking about systems a little bit. And while we have you, I would love to hear your thoughts on this moment in history, because I sort of believe that we are at sort of a breaking point with systems that mm-hmm. aren't working. And, you know, like us really sort of realizing that we need to create a new paradigm and a new way of existing as a human race. And um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. I feel like I have a sense as I like read your posts daily, but so, would you speak to so- that a little bit? There is something that's really beautiful, you know, and um, I, I'm going to speak from a spiritual perspective and I'm going to speak from a like more eventually psychological and even factual perspective. Mm-hmm. First thing is, in my opinion, put human beings in a place where they are forced to be with themselves and they will look inside. Mm-hmm. I, it, it is my personal belief that we are primed for it. 
it's my personal belief that it is kind of like ingrained in the fabric of human beings kind of like what am I made of what am I made of and that simple question of like what am I made of what am I doing here why 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 is inviting something the awareness of the human being Mm. that awareness of the human being in spaces where awareness was never brought before and that's simple fact that simple fact the simple fact that you can look if we're going to use a model of quantum physics i think you can look at a wave and it collapses into a particle and the simple fact that you are observing it gets mm. it to collapse into a particle nothing else which is something that's already proven it is telling so as you get more human beings to look at their, their inner world to sit with themselves you force them into lockdowns you force them into um you know isolation And I'm aware of all the psychological damages of like putting people in such a space, Mm -hmm. but I'm also aware of what it creates. It gets them to connect with a part of them that was already in lockdown. And that part of them is more of that kind of soul perspective, higher self perspective, a part of them that is here for a specific reason, which is just to raise the way we are connecting to each other just to make things better. So I'm just going to, this, in my opinion, is what has been going underneath, underneath everything that has been happening. And you, and what we will see, the external manifestation of that, in my opinion, has been systems being questioned. Mm -hmm. Systems being questioned. You're going to see whether it's just like almost everything like systems of governance, um, justice systems, um, um, equality systems, even the gender balance, like everything is being questioned. People are just like, hey, something hasn't been working. We don't know yet what it looks like, you know, what that ideal thing looks like, but something hasn't been working and it's time we'll look into it on a deeper level. This is a kind of back, uh, kind of like, you know, um, understanding of what I can see mm. in, the, in the collective unfolding at the moment. I was going to bring up alchemy because I know it's also a topic that you, that you're, you speak to a lot and, and are passionate yes. about. And I think what people, I don't want to say what people don't understand, but that sounds maybe a little harsh, but um, to what you're saying about, we're all very aware of the the kind of negative psychological effects and the things that have happened that you know have not been all that great that's come out of this. And the process of alchemy actually does require pain and it requires a squeezing and it requires like a milking and it requires a fundamental biological, chemical, right? Like particle change at like a molecular level. And that doesn't happen without that, um, that discomfort and that pain. And so you can't actually have this process that we're now in, which is the questioning of the systems and all of these things without having gone through that. I mean, that is alchemical change, right? Absolutely. You know, and, um, um, I, this is going to be, this is going to sound on a spiritual spectrum and, um, very often, and this is something that my grandmother used to tell me. The, the reason why the devils, the, 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 the devil hides, this mm. is what she would say, is because the awareness of the human being carries light. Mm. And what she was trying to mean by that was like, everything that hasn't been working, all the, the things about our society that hasn't that are not really working they need to be in the shadows Mm -hmm. because the same we are biased that's what she was saying i'm just going to take his her words here she's like we are biased in love Mm -hmm. like the awareness the heart of a human being is biased for love Mm -hmm. it's like, like the whole system is biased for love and all these different places where awareness is not present are the only ways, you know, things remain the same. So what I noticed is we are navigating a time of deep revelation, mm-hmm. just like revelation and things coming to the surface. 
surface and things coming to the surface. And one of the most powerful things that any human being in this now moment, in my opinion, can do is allowing themselves to see fully what's unfolding, allowing themselves to practice keeping their heart open as they see, as they feel, as we witness all these paradigms of consciousness that mm. were already there, that were just not working for us and that we weren't fully aware of. And now we see it in full sight. We see it so clearly yeah. as we are observing all of this to make a choice informed, you know, in love, to make a new choice um, that is anchored in that perspective of love what is the highest choice that i can make now that i'm aware of this what is the highest choice the highest informed choice in love and compassion that i can make now that i'm in now that i'm aware of all of this and just the simple fact of whether it's inside and also in the collective observing and allowing ourselves to be present with the full experience and not shutting down, yes. which is emotionally challenging and emotionally just like whew, demanding. Exhausting sometimes. <laughs> exhausting. You know, allowing ourselves to do that, honestly, I believe it is the most beautiful thing that we can do in this now moment to help the collective, to help the systems move where they need to move. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, we are navigating a world that is becoming where the new currency, and I keep saying that over and over, is becoming compassion. In mm. my opinion, the systems that are compassionate, the businesses that are going to demonstrate compassion, the workplaces that are going to learn how to demonstrate compassion, all the different places that will align with the paradigm of compassion are the strong ones that will stay mm -hmm. and um the other systems of just like ostracizing fear-mongering or just like you know discriminating it is hard for me to see how long term with the shift that is unfolding with so many more human beings becoming aware of like hey i need to dive in mm -hmm. i need to put my inner world and to set my spiritual emotional psychological mental world you know in order it is really hard for me to see how the same systems of just like fear oppression and all of this are going to stay in place so i'm um, i'm um, i'm very optimistic <laughs> i was just gonna and, say i love your optimism i'm gonna like <laughs> suck it in every time i need a little shot i'm yeah. gonna go back and re-listen to this conversation i'm you i'm I'm right there with you, brother. And I feel like it is the most exciting time to be alive because I feel like we are witnessing a new earth coming to fruition before our very eyes. Like it makes me cry as I'm listening to you. Um, it's it's so beautiful and it's so exciting. Um, I love it. <laughs> I That's love really it so amazing. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like, in my opinion, we are learning how to hold a polarity. Mm -hmm in the heart, you know, um, um, on one end, you know, some people can be in this paradigm of like, the world is doomed, you know, people, you, you're gonna hear people, well, this is the apocalypse and we doomed, we, you, there's nothing good that will come out of here, which is the perspective, it's one end of the polarity. Yeah. And being able to open the heart to really witness all of this, not to shut down, this, this is, we are leaning into a new paradigm of shifting consciousness, mm -hmm. which is we are leaning from, we are stepping out of the paradigm of fighting and just like opposing the consciousness of war. In my opinion, we are really stepping out of the consciousness of war. Mm. Um, because in my opinion, more humans are becoming aware of the fact that We've had one drums, one this, one on that, one on this other thing, and none of it really, really deeply worked. Mm -hmm. Because the energy that we are investing in opposing these paradigms are feeding these paradigms. And many people are becoming aware of that. And many people are just like, we're gonna witness this. We're gonna open their heart enough to feel everything that comes up as I become aware of this. And now I'm gonna make a new informed choice biased in love a new informed mm. choice that honors what i would like to create i'm not going to run from it i'm going to look 
I'm not going to run from it. I'm going to see. I'm not going to run from it. I'm going to feel everything. And I'm going to witness all the shadows that it brings within me as I observe all of this, as I observe people feeling divide about issues like vaccines, like COVID, like races, like everything that's unfolding. I'm not going to run. I'm going to look. And as I look, I'm going to do the best I can to witness everything that comes up within me and practice mm. for the first time ever holding these parts of me that I didn't even know existed. And as I learn how to hold these parts of me in compassion, I'm going to shift my baseline to a new one where I'm going to signal to the universe, to spirit, to God, whatever, and I'm available for a new way of being human, which is mm. rooted in love and compassion. In my opinion, collectively, this is the work that we invited to do. And the, the mental component of being able to hold yourself, be present with yourself, um, allowing yourself to just like compassionately hold your pain, because this brings up a lot of divide. It brings within families, I hear people all the time like my parents won't talk to me anymore because I decided to do this instead of that you know my partner and I broke up because my partner wants this and I want this or you know we are going through all of that like families are getting separated on political opinions on medical opinions this is what we are is yeah. unfolding at the moment but the more we learn how to hold the polarity of everything that's unfolding outside the the more we can be in this space where, you know what? I don't agree, which is a approval, in my opinion, is, is a, an attribute of the ego. I don't agree with what you choose to do. I don't agree with that. And I'm not going to deny that I don't agree with that. And at the same time, I can lean into a, an attribute of the soul, which in my opinion is acceptance, which is, it just is. Mm. It just is. It just is is and yet in this space love can still exist mm -hmm. you know in and like we in my opinion we're transcending the belief identity and so many things have been transcended anyways this is how i i see everything that's unfolding at Reach, the moment take me to church i mean <laughs> I feel like he, I'm there <laughs> he does right yes and i you know i love what you said about the currency of compassion because to yeah. me that is what it continuously comes back to i feel like what i i talk with clients about and so much of what i attempt to practice in my own life is looking for the fear that is present um, in these moments of divide and meeting that with compassion, right? Because it's always about what I'm afraid of. It's always about the wave, like you were speaking to, that I'm afraid is going to take me down if I stay with it. And can I see that this person is afraid? And when someone's afraid, that normally, like we don't wanna meet someone's fear with like vitriol and anger. We feel compassion for people when they're afraid. And that's what yeah. it always is, you know? Yes, that's Yeah, and really you said amazing. something which was really interesting, which was like, and I don't remember the exact word that you said, but you said that when you continue to deny or to, you know, push against, you're feeding the same thing. You're feeding mm. the thing that you're trying to push against. You're feeding the thing you're trying to deny. Yes. Right? You have to have compassion and acceptance in order for it actually to come to light for us to be able to process and integrate and to work through. Otherwise, we're just feeding the same system over and over again. Mm. Yeah. So this is what my awareness of the, you know, last 18 months and um, everything yeah. that has been unfolding has yeah. been. And um, it is the way I see things. There is an undercurrent. There is this wave that I, I feel it as a tide that is not yet mm. visible because it's not fully covered. Mm. You know, the media has no interest in showing how um, um, human consciousness is shifting at the moment right. um this is not what we see outside like no one makes money out of telling you how people are able to love love each other more in this mm -hmm. moment but it's like and this can sound oh i'm just gonna lean into this as you allow yourself to just be in that con that earth consciousness it feels mm -hmm. like an earth consciousness and um i'm just gonna say it as it comes it's like she has spoken yes you know that consciousness of the planet it's like i not available for this kind of you know for this kind of things anymore so let's clean up our act mm. you know i always think of human beings like the earth thinking like yeah. 
um, extensions of the planet and we are part of you you mentioned that new earth mm-hmm. meaning that consciousness of the planet that is really rising mm-hmm. and uh, there is every time I think about, I talk about it I feel goosebumps all over my body all over my body and it is very clear to me that the balance of dark and light on the planet has been shifted in favor Mm-hmm. of light and when that happens systems that you, that used to thrive out of fear out of divide out of separation will try to foster fear divide and separation just to shut down the ability of tuning into you know the innate ability of human beings to harness their own light mm-hmm. and for the first time ever in my opinion, we are seeing humanity choosing differently and being like, ah, no, yes. not today. Anyways, that's how I'm. That's how I'm. That's how I'm reading the whole situation. And it doesn't mean that it happens without you know um, issues, without challenges. We are of course in the muck and the you know in the like in the in all that apparent darkness. We are navigating all of this. Um, it is just so hard not to feel it viscerally for me that we are making new choices. We are creating a new paradigm of being human on the planet. And I see it every day, people liberating themselves and people being like, hey, I'm not available for this anymore. This Mm -hmm. is how I choose to be. This is how I choose to be seen in the world. Anyways. Maybe I'm biased, but this is what I choose to say. <laughs> listen, well, maybe we are uh, too. Otherwise, it would be have this conversation. I don't know. I'll take your kind of bias. I, you know, Any listening day. to you feels like soul food, and um, I'm just I'm grateful you're alive. I'm grateful to be alive at a time when um we get to have someone like you to listen to, and so thank you for who you are. So I feel like we could listen to you speak all day, but Vanessa and I have a round of questions we ask all of our guests that we'd love to get into with you. Um, So who have been your greatest teachers, your uh, mentors, influences, whether they're people that you've met along your journey or even just like learned from in their teachings? Honestly, looking backwards, um, and this will sound so cliche, but appreciating the, the, the man and, um, I'm going to say two. Um, it, it even feels weird to say it out loud. Mary Magdalene and Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to own it. I'm going to own beautiful. it because um, I was born into a Christian family and um, I disowned religion and Christianity out of rage and anger and stuff. I don't consider myself religious at the moment. Um, but learning and teaching and understanding shadow work and there is something that often feels very true to me which is um jesus in the desert facing the devil was doing shadow work and that was just like that feels like something very true to me when i look back when i look back this at the story of mary magdalene um and everything that just that just we know we've been finding out lately about the story of the two um it's just very clear to me um, that they were really ahead of their time. And um, mm. I have a huge level of just respect for the, the humans that they were, um, not the not what we turned them into, which is like divinities and stuff, but the humans that decided, A, I'm going to take ownership of this light that is available to me right now in a time where consciousness was nowhere near. Um, that's, you know was nowhere near level of awakening that could potentially hold that kind of light and no wonder he was killed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Again, if the story is true, which I believe it is, um, but yeah, that's what I can say. Mm-hmm. I know it's cliche, I'm sorry for the It's not listeners. cliche, actually. I, I think it's powerful. And I, and I think what it does is actually you putting words to that. I think it gives a lot of people permission 
to have a similar understanding of their experience or how they feel or what their belief is. Because I think, you know, a lot of us were raised by or raised in a Christian family. Um, And I think a lot, I know I've seen it in my clients. I know I've experienced it myself. There's been a real struggle with very strict ways of needing and having to look at things because I said so. I being whoever that man was that wrote that story. Right. Um, and I, I don't think it's fair. I think that we actually all get to have our own relationship and experience of, mm-hmm. and I think what you spoke to is, is really permission granting actually for a lot of people. So I Thank appreciate you. that. Yeah, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So our second question, yeah. where do you find yourself in a state of flow? So what do you find yourself doing when, you know, you blink your eyes and like five, six hours have gone by, like, what is that for you? What is flow? Oh, flow to me at this moment is singing and movement. And it's weird because I don't put that enough out there. Mm. But every time I've held some sort of ceremony or like breath work and thing, um, people have reflected that to me. They're like, oh, this aspect of you needs to be seen more. Mm. But it's something that has been very intimate so far. Um, it feels very intuitive. Um, that singing, it, it usually goes from humming to chanting and um, and movement mm-hmm. so this is a deep place of flow a place where it just feels like I give permission to a little boy to just be his mm. own weird self yes and um yeah Love that's that. what I can say um intuitive movement and also just singing chanting yeah, yeah. beautiful um so what breaks your heart Ooh. <laughs> 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 What breaks my heart? Um, Something that really breaks my heart is seeing and witnessing people not being, seeing other human beings taking from people their ability to express their free choice, Mm -hmm. to express any injustice really touches my heart deeply mm-hmm. because um, there are some things that, in my opinion, are universal. Somebody having permission to agree or disagree with something, in my opinion, is universal. Somebody having their free choice honored is in my opinion universal and even when I don't agree especially when I don't agree and I know myself for it sometimes I have this moment somebody's going to express their opinion it's going to feel like I'm being punched in the heart and I'm like okay you got to practice your own beliefs here and just allow it and hold it it, as long as it doesn't breach your it doesn't breach your own boundaries Mm. um but really, um, witnessing injustice um, is something that really breaks my heart. The other things, true heartbreak and relationship things, um, I would have said that several years ago. And I've gone through like so many years of being on my own and being rejected and learning how to just hold myself in there that I would say, okay, I can take that one. Mm-hmm. But seeing people, seeing people, having their what they consider the truth Mm -hmm. what they consider um their integrity being breached whether it's physically whether it's mentally whether it's being gas um gaslighted or some people say gaslit i don't know what is the right way of saying (laughs) um but yeah this is really hard to take in Mm. okay the last question what is your favorite food? My favorite food, plantains. Oh, oh I haven't gotten that one yet. And I love plantains. <laughs> didn't even skip a beat. Plantains, plantains you know. Um, yep, there is. Yeah, I have no. You know, there are things that you, you don't you don't have a reason why, but it just it just is. So plantains, period. Just that good. I love it. Well, you know, Xavier, um, you are an absolute treasure. I am so grateful to have found you. I think you're like one of the beautiful things about social media is it sort of like Mm. puts you in contact connection with people who 
just really enrich your life in such beautiful ways. And I know you have done that for me and you are doing it for so many so people. Many. Thank you for the way you're showing up in the world. I truly appreciate you. And I really appreciate you coming and sharing your gifts with us. It truly means so much to me. Oh, the name is Vanessa. Thank you so much for having me. And I really enjoyed, like, I didn't see that, um, you know, we already are now in this conversation and, or maybe, maybe more. I don't know. Um, I <laughs> lost it. track of time, but um, <laughs> I really enjoyed every single minute that I got to spend with, to spend with you. Thank you for doing this. And um, yeah, it's a deep honor to be here with you all. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much. Um, where can people find you if they want more, as I know they will after if listening to this more, conversation? Um, they can find me on Instagram, um, Xavier.dadva. They can find me on Instagram. They can find me on my website, Xavier.dadva.com. Those are the places where I hang out or they can look me up on other social media. Um, the same two names you're going to find me. Um, but yeah, thank you again. Oh, thank so you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa S. Bennett and at Danae Logan Selkin.